I miss several things about childhood. I think all of us do. But, but one of the things that I miss about being a kid was the vacuum cleaner salesman. I, I, I'm pretty sure vacuum cleaner companies don't do this anymore. But back in the day, about twice a year, someone would knock on your door and try to sell you a new vacuum cleaner. Now, my mom usually ran off the encyclopedia guy and the, the filtered water guy, but she let the, the vacuum cleaner guy come in. Now, she wasn't needing a new vacuum cleaner, but she liked to keep me entertained. And, and those guys put on a show. They'd come in and they'd dump dirt on your carpet and then get out their brand new Jetpack 350 and they'd vacuum it all up and it'd be all uh, clean there on the carpet. They'd hook their vacuum to your vacuum and it would suck all the air out of your vacuum bag showing how their Jetpack 350 was, was so much stronger than your little measly vacuum that you'd been vacuumed with all these years. And then in, in my personal favorite demonstration, I'm not sure how they did it, but they, they would make the Jetpack 350 run backwards and they, they'd hold the hose out and put a beach ball over the hose and the beach ball would roll around in, in, in the air. I, I don't know what good that would do, but it was really, really cool to watch. And finally, they would ask you to describe all the different messes that you made on your carpet and then tell how the Jetpack 350 would, would clean up even that. And, and I had an endless supply of things to challenge them with. You know, spilled Apple Jacks. Yes, the Jetpack 350 will clean even that. Dropped sand from an ant farm. Yes. The Jetpack 350 will clean even that. A sack of sugar spilled out on the floor. Yes, the Jetpack 350 will clean up even that. And then I just make some up. Uh, some, some dust from the moon rover. Yes, the Jetpack 350 will clean up even that. Dinosaur pellets. Yes, the Jetpack 350 will clean up even that. After about 30 minutes of that, my mom would decline the sales offer, which was usually just a little bit less than our car, but in three easy payments. And then the guy would leave, and she'd go back to, to cleaning the house with our weak little measly vacuum cleaner that we had, but having had 30 minutes go by without me complaining about being bored. Mark chapter 7 concludes with another miracle of Christ that leads the people who witnessed it to realize the expanse of Jesus' power with this statement recorded in the 37th verse of the 7th chapter of Mark. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Folks, I don't know what's going on in your life this morning. Sometimes we come to the holiday season. For a lot of folks, that's a challenging time of year because for whatever reason, all of the things that have been piling up on you all year long, the holidays just bring that into focus. And for many folks, the, the holiday season is a difficult time. But I don't know what you're facing this morning, but I do want you to understand something. Whatever challenge you face this morning, Jesus can handle even that. First of all, we need to understand that Jesus has a plan. Last week we looked at the healing of this woman at Tyre. And once that had a miracle had occurred, Jesus and the disciples then travel, but they take a less than direct route. It's described in verse 31 of chapter 7. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down the, to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis. 
This sentence describes a journey that actually probably took several days, if not weeks, from Tyre, located in the northwest part of Israel. Jesus then went north to another city called Sidon, where he then crosses the Jordan River and then turns south and goes along the eastern coast of the Sea of Galilee. That that route would have taken him through Damascus, where he finally winds up back in Decapolis. Now, if you'll remember several weeks ago, that's where Jesus healed the demoniac back in Mark chapter 5. So in essence, uh, Jesus has made this long loop and returned back to the area where he had started. He's passed through uh, both Jewish and Gentile regions. Uh, One commentator describes this as as a very circuitous route. It would would be something like trying uh, to get to Kansas City by way of St. Louis. It's just kind of going way out of the way. Why did he do such a a strange journey just to wind up back where he had started? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us, but there are a couple of possibilities. He he may have been avoiding areas that were controlled by Herod, who by this time was looking for a way to get rid of Jesus. He may have simply used it as some time to talk to his disciples, to teach them more about the kingdom of God. But once they reach their destination, an an event by now very familiar once again occurs. They are met by this large group of people who have heard about Jesus' miraculous powers. In verse 32, there's some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged him to place his hand on the man. Mark uses a word in that description that harkens back to a prophecy that was made by Isaiah back in the 35th chapter of Isaiah, verse 5. There the prophet said, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Jesus was certainly meeting that prophecy in all kinds of profound ways. The the word that Mark uses to describe this particular man It seems to indicate that that he had originally been able to hear, but at some point in his life had lost his hearing, whether it was through disease or some type of accident. And whether the deafness affected his speech or, or whatever had caused his deafness affected his ability to talk. He had tremendous agony in trying to communicate with people. Imagine what it would be like if you've been used to just... Speaking and and sharing and and hearing what people were saying and all of a sudden that was taken from you and and suddenly you were faced with trying to communicate your needs and and what you were looking for and where you're trying to go, trying to communicate that in ways that you no longer could do, no longer having a voice, no longer being able to hear. It was tremendous agony for this man. Showing compassion for him. As so often was the case, Jesus does something that was totally unexpected. Verse 33, after he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephtha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus shows great compassion for the man. He takes him away from the crowd and and focuses solely on his need. Because he could not hear, he wouldn't be able to hear what Jesus was saying. 
So, so Jesus makes the process of this miracle very physical, very visual, so this man would, would recognize what Jesus was doing. He, he puts his fingers up against his ear. And then he spits, which, which in our day that sounds kind of crude, but, but in the New Testament day it would not have been so. In the New Testament day that was often a sign of healing. He touches the man's tongue. And then the Bible records his exact word. It sounds strange to us in, in Aramaic. It wouldn't have been strange at all. That was the language of the people of the day. But the reason the scripture records that exact word is to make sure that it's understood. This was not some kind of magical incantation or, or strange kind of trick. Jesus just simply said, be open. And immediately. Immediately, this man once again could hear and speak plainly, without hesitation, without any impediment. His ears were opened. His tongue was loosed. He could hear and speak without any impairment. We helped our son-in-law and daughter put together a crib a few months back in preparation for the arrival of our granddaughter. A crib purchased from Ikea. <laughs> I'm not sure what the people from Sweden have against everybody else in the world, but if you ever purchased any furniture from Ikea, they all come in pieces with an instruction manual that is an expression of pure torture. They sell internationally, so everything's not in Swedish. I guess that's a good thing. But they don't have any words at all. It's just this little cartoon figure that shows you what you're supposed to do. At least that's the idea. This, this little bubble guy, the Ikea man, they call him, he points to different tools and different pieces. And, and then in the little illustrations, he shows how those things are supposed to fit together. If you've ever been to a foreign country where you didn't know the language and you were trying to communicate and, and share with a taxi cab driver where you were trying to go and there's lots of pointing and, you know, pantomiming and all that. That's kind of the idea of these IKEA instructions. It's a little bit what it, it feels like. Uh, building an IKEA piece of furniture in the end is a lot of pointing and guessing and just trying to make it look like the picture on the front of the box. Fortunately, our granddaughter does have a crib to sleep in now. Though we're, we're, we're thankful for, for that. But just imagine. Imagine this man who originally was able to communicate completely and then in whatever happened, whether it was illness or accident, whatever it was, took all of that away. And suddenly he lived in silence, not being able to hear what anyone was saying to him, not being able to communicate to anybody what he needed them to know. And now, instantly, at the touch of Jesus he is able to hear again. He's able to speak again. Only Jesus could do that. We fumble through life forgetting this incredible, this incredible truth. Jesus has the plan. Whatever our burden might be, whatever it is we're facing, whatever challenge has fallen into our lap, Jesus has the plan. Now, sometimes it may seem like we're taking a long route to get there. 
It may not be the plan that we would have devised. In fact, it almost certainly will not be the plan that we would have devised. The plan we would devise would just make it a bigger mess. But Jesus has the plan that will work. What are you facing today? What challenges are presenting themselves in your life this morning? Where you're feeling a little bit like that man in the account in Mark chapter 7. No matter what you do, you you can't fix it. Jesus has the plan. Yes, He has the plan, even for that. (laughs) We sometimes, as believers, have a limited view of the power of God. We, We believe the miracles that are described in the Bible. We believe those things happen. We, we marvel at, at testimonies that people give of, of the ways that God is working in their life. But somehow we convince ourselves that Christ can't help in our situation. There seemed to have been some of that in the crowd on this day recorded in Mark chapter 7. Jesus could heal the blind man. He could cast out the demons. He could even raise the dead, but not this deaf man. No one can do that. But suddenly, as they watched, right there before his eyes, yes, Jesus' power extended even to that. Verse 36, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. As he so often did, Jesus cautioned the people about spreading the word concerning the miracle. We've seen that several times through these miracles we've been looking at in Mark chapter 5 through through 7. The reason seems to have been because of exactly what was happening. As word spread, the crowds were so large that, that Jesus was having trouble doing anything but, but trying to care for the people. And he didn't want to be perceived as some kind of carnival act, some kind of miracle worker on parade. He had come to do much more than that. But the more he told them not to do so, the more they spread the news. With this incredible statement, he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Now, we need to understand why that was so special, so striking to the people that saw it. And again, it goes back to the passage that I read from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, in that passage, is talking about the Messiah. He's talking about the Christ, the one who would come to save the world from their sin. And and now it's finally registering with the people who were there that day. He can even... Make the deaf hear and the mute speak just like the prophets said he would do. The evidence was piling up. Jesus could do even that. My dad was a multi-talented fixer. He loved working on cars, plumbing, carpentry, you name it. If it was broken, he could find a way to fix it. And he had the garage to prove it. We never put cars in our garage. Uh, It was always a mixture of tools and projects that he had going on. 
If there was a car in our garage, then there was something wrong with it that he was trying to fix. And more often than not, he could figure out what to do. Even to this day, it's been, I don't know, nearly 40 years since he passed away. Uh, even, not that long, how long has it been? 30 years. Anyway, long time. But even now, I, I, I still, when, when my car starts making a funny noise, I find myself reaching for the phone to call him to ask him what it means. <laughs> Those are good people to have around. Those fix-it folks that just know how to make stuff work. But even my dad had his limits. I remember... <laughs> One week, without a sewer at our house, when my mom finally convinced him to call the sewer company to come clean things out, uh, uh, he had to throw in the towel on that one, or or more specifically, he had to throw in the shovel. (laughs) The man in the end of Mark chapter 7 had long since thrown in his shovel. He'd long since given up hope that life was ever going to be any better. He determined he'd never hear again. He determined he'd never speak again. He determined that he was just going to live in silence. He was so despondent that it was his friends that bring him to Jesus. This man didn't come to Jesus. You can almost see the picture of him just kind of being drug along, shaking his head, trying to communicate. This isn't going to work. It's going to be like everything else has been. But his friends are going, well, come on. We've heard about this Jesus. Maybe he can do something for you. You just see the scene. And then it happened. Those friends knew what the Scripture said. (laughs) That when the Messiah would come, then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And they thought, maybe this is the one. Let's go see. And that day they learned something amazing. This same Jesus could do even that. What are you facing this morning? What challenge is there in your life today? What heartache has become so deep that you've you've pushed it back because every time you let it bubble back up to the surface, it just hurts too much. What issue in your life have you tried over and over again to fix and finally you've just given up? Jesus can fix even that. Now, I don't know how. I'm sure those friends didn't know what Jesus was going to do for this man who had suffered so long. I'm sure they didn't expect what Jesus did that day. But Jesus could fix a man who could not speak and could not hear. And in an instant at the touch of Jesus, that all changed. What will Jesus do for you? I don't know. But what I do know is that Jesus can do even that. Heavenly Father, we all have challenges in our life. Some that are obvious. Some that we hide so deep only you know about. And God, sometimes we go through life in the and just despair. And particularly during the holiday season, that can, can surface up in, in, in difficult ways. Help us see. 
that you are here even for that. That whatever issue we face in life, you have a plan. And whatever challenge we face, yes, Lord, you can do even that. Help us see it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.